Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analyzing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapters three, four, and five of The Maze Runner. So where we left off, we met this kid coming up an elevator shaft and he had no memory, but also some memories, but not remembering many things about faces and people, but he knew places and things. He knows his name, doesn't know anything else, except of course he knows language and, uh, and uh, but speaking of language, he doesn't know the word shunk and skunk and blunk and funk and clump and clank, which is this invented language. Anyway, so he comes up into this courtyard And all of these boys are there and they're like, hey, Stiff, we're not going to tell you what's going on until tomorrow. And it's like the middle of the day. He says there's no shadows on the wall. So it's the middle of the day. I don't know why they had to postpone it 24 hours. But anyway, so they're like, we'll tell you tomorrow. And he's like, tell me now. And they're like, no. And he's like, okay. (laughs) And that's pretty much where we left off. He's just been told that he needs to meet a guy called Chuck or Chucky and they'll tell him where to sleep. And, and that was the end of the thrilling last chapter. Okay, so now we start chapter three. Hopefully we'll get some answers. Side note, we won't. So he says he was just sitting there for several moments, too overwhelmed to move. And then he finally forced himself to look over at the building because there's this random building where everyone went into and there's screams coming out of the building. And so he's looking at this building, but then a metallic clicking sound from the branches above, because he's sitting up against a tree, grabbed his attention and he looked up and there was a flash of silver and red light, which then disappeared. So I, I, I don't know. It's a possum. It's a squirrel. Who knows? Who gives a shit? And then he scrambles to his feet and he's walking around the tree trying to see what it is. And it says, but he only saw bare branches, gray and brown, forking out like skeleton fingers and looking just as alive. Now that one confused me. Cause like, cause well, skeletons aren't alive. So I think he's trying to say that the branches are dead. They look dead, but like it's a, it's a tree. So it's, it's inherently probably not dead. I, I don't really know what's going on there. What an odd way to phrase it. If you're saying the tree looks dead, just say that. I, I don't know. Okay. And then someone says that was one of them beetle blades. Okay. So he saw a beetle blade up a tree that may or may not be dead. Okay. And then Thomas turns around and he sees a kid and this is how he describes him. Short and pudgy. (laughs) And he was young, probably the youngest of any in the group so far, maybe 12 or 13 years old. His brown hair hung down over his ears and neck, scraping the tops of his shoulders. Blue eyes shone through an otherwise pitiful face, flabby and flushed. Okay, we get it, he's fat. 
all right, here's a little porker. You don't need to keep going on about it. And Thomas says, a beetle what? And he says, a beetle blade. And he says, it won't hurt ya, unless you're stupid enough to touch one of them. Well, so, so it will hurt him then. Okay. And then he says, he paused. Shank, he added. So like, he just had to, had to throw in the shank word. But this kid looked uncomfortable saying the word as if he hadn't quite grasped the slang of the glade. Ha- has anyone? Although it's not actually that hard. As, as, as confusing as it is, I get the impression that you just call everyone a shank or a stiff. Oh, not a stiff. That's, <laughs> oh, that's divergent. Stuck with me. Okay, so this is shanks, not stiffs. Got it. Okay, we're all clear. And so then another scream comes out of that house. And so Thomas, he's like, what's going on? And the chubby boy replies, don't know. <laughs> that's, how, that's how he's described still. The chubby boy. And so even though chubby boy was like, beats me, he says, Ben's in there sicker than a dog. They got him. And Thomas is like, okay, well, who's they? Can you fill me in? I know it's not tomorrow when I get the tour, but can you fill me in? He says, they, and this guy, this chubby little chubster, he says, yeah. And so then Thomas is like, oh my God, okay. Who are they? And he's already giving they a capital T because it's a proper noun. Thomas has never heard of them, but he's cottoning on to the fact that they're worthy of a proper noun. And so then he goes, well, my name's Chuck. I was, okay, he doesn't answer the question. He says, my name's Chuck. I was the green bean until you showed up. And Thomas is like, oh no, not Chuck. So this little chubster, he's my guide for the night. Ugh. And he says, why is everyone calling me green bean? Proper noun. And he says, cause you're the newest newbie. Newbie is a proper noun as well. <sighs> it's a lot of proper nouns. And so then Chuck points at Thomas and laughs because he's a newbie. He's the new newbie. Like, fuck, yeah, okay. As an improv artist would say, yes, and. Like, what's so funny about, you You were the green bean and now you're not the green bean and it's hilarious that this other guy's a green bean. And if you have the vocabulary to call him a newbie, just say newbie. Why, why are we saying green bean? And Thomas, he says, why are you laughing? It sounds like that guy's dying in there. And Chuck says, chubby Chuck. He says, ah, oh, he'll be fine. No one dies if they make it back in time to get the serum proper noun. It's all or nothing, dead or not dead. It just hurts a lot. And Thomas is like, what? What hurts a lot? Why, why is no one answering me directly? And so then Chubby Chuck, he says, well, getting stung by the grievers, proper noun. Everything's a proper noun. Every single, th- I haven't seen an improper noun. <sighs> and so Thomas, he's like, grievers, what's that? And Chubby Chuck's not going to answer. Chubby Chuck, I mean, he's, he was a green bean yesterday, so he doesn't know anything either. And Chuck just shrugs, looks away and rolls his eyes. He's like, oh, this green bean doesn't even know what a griever is. Like, yeah, of course not. You just saw him come out of the elevator shaft from the ground. Like, yeah, he doesn't know anything. And Thomas, he's like, well, it seems like you know just as much as I do, which is barely anything. But then he thinks on his memory loss and he's like, you know what? It is pretty weird that I remember some stuff, but not other stuff. He says he mostly remembered the workings of the world, but emptied of specifics, faces, names, Uh, like a book completely intact, but missing one word in every dozen. Well, that's what I feel like reading this book coincidentally. And he's like, I don't even know my own age. And so he says, hey, Chuck, chubby Chuck, how old do you think I am? And he's like, well, I reckon you're about 16. Oh, a question he can answer. How about that? The one thing he doesn't know the answer to when he's making a guess, he's making a stab at it. He says, yeah, you're 16. You're about five foot nine, brown hair. Oh, and ugly as fried liver on a stick. And then he's laughing. 
ugly as fried liver on a st- is I I guess that would be ugly. I've never quite seen fried liver on a stick. Although I'm of the school of thought that if you do deep fry an item of food, it does end up looking quite nicer than it ordinarily would. I might not eat liver, but you know what? Fried liver, perhaps. Anyway, I feel like I'm back in an all boys high school with boys calling each other names. Getting a bit of PTSD from the Maze Runner, quite honestly. Although no one ever called me as ugly as fried liver on a stick. So I guess that's a blessing. And Thomas is like, what? 16? I'm only 16. I feel so much older than that. What? Okay, sure. You don't know places and faces and names, but you, you think you're old enough. Whatever. How am I 16? He's having a full on existential crisis because he's so young. And Chuck, he says, don't worry. You'll be all whacked for a few days, but then you'll get used to this place. I have. Have you? I don't We live here. This is it. Better than living in a pile of clunk. A pile of clunk. And then he says, clunk's another word for poo, because poo makes a clunk sound when it falls in one of our pea pots. Okay, well, if you already know what poo is, if you have the word poo, just say poo. I don't know why you need to say clunk. And also TMI with the whole poo makes a clunk sound when it falls in our pea pots. Like, okay, maybe your poo does. And Thomas doesn't know what the hell to say to that. So he just goes, okay, that's nice. Oh, really? That's nice. Clunk, another word for poo, because that's the sound it makes when it hits the bowl. Yeah, very nice. So then Thomas gets up and he looks at that building, although he thinks it looks more like a shack, but also it's three or four stories high. Have you ever seen a shack that's three or four stories high? I don't, I don't believe shacks are that high. He's like, hmm, the building doesn't look like much of a building. It looks more like a shack with it being three or four stories high, of course. Like what? Doesn't make any sense. So then Chuck says, what's your name? And he goes, what? Like Thomas doesn't comprehend that question. He says, what? And so Chuck must think he's the most simple kid ever. And he's like, your name, what's your name? You haven't told us that. And yeah, you'd you'd know that much at least. And he says, Thomas. And then he's like, wait a minute. That just makes me think. Maybe a common pattern to our memory losses is that we all know our own names, but nothing else. And then Chuck says, nice to meet you, Thomas. Don't you worry. I'll take care of you. I've been here a whole month and I know the place inside and out. You can count on Chuck, okay? Oh, don't refer to yourself in the third person, Chuck. That's never endearing. Nathan don't like. And so then Thomas is just like la-di-da walking towards the shack slash building. And then he's like, wait a minute. Shut up, Chuck. And so he spins on Chuck and he says, you can't even tell me anything. I wouldn't call that taking care of me, Chucky boy. So he's just like snapping at Chuck, even though Chuck was very complimentary. Well, apart from the fried liver comment, he was very complimentary and very nice. And Chuck says, well, nothing I'll say will do you any good. I'm basically still a newbie too. Like, yes, of course you're still a newbie, but I can be your friend. And Thomas says, I don't need friends. Well, maybe you do, Thomas. Maybe stop going in so hot. You didn't even know your age or your surname. Like, come on. So he's just like full going into this house. I believe he wasn't invited into this house, but he's opening up the door of the shack slash building slash house. And there's a bunch of stoic faced boys standing at the foot of a crooked staircase and the steps and railings twisted all angled in all directions. Okay. Um, Dark wallpaper covered the walls. Okay. Interesting. The only decorations in sight were a dusty vase 
on a three-legged table. All right, well, that's a very specific description. Okay. And a black and white picture of an ancient woman dressed in an old-fashioned white dress. Okay. An ancient woman? Is she very elderly or is it just an old photograph? I, I don't know. And then it says, it reminded Thomas of a haunted house from a movie or something. Okay, that you remember. That you remember. You just said you're having trouble remembering things. It's like a book that's missed every 12 words. Uh, 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 oh, it, it reminds me of a movie I saw once. You said you don't remember movies. Ugh, what a fucking stupid book. And he says the place reeked of dust and mildew. Hey, boys, have you ever thought of maybe cleaning up? Maybe sweeping and doing a bit of dusting? Like, come on, guys. It seems like it's the one house that you have. Maybe take care of it. That's just what I would do. And so one of the other boys is like, hey, look, it's the green bean. Because they love making fun of the green beans. And so then it was the guy who had black hair. And then the narrator tells us he looked like he was 15 or so, tall and skinny. His nose was the size of a small fist and resembled a deformed potato. (gasps) A nose the size of a small, that's a big fucking nose. And a deformed potato nose, that's terrible. Oh, that's truly horrific. And this guy with a deformed potato nose, surely you'd think wouldn't have the chutzpah to be making fun of a green bean. Like, hello, glass houses, look in a mirror, all that jazz. But he says, this shank probably clunked his pants when he heard old Benny baby scream like a girl. Need a new diaper, shuck face. And Thomas clearly isn't very good with people. He doesn't know what to say. And he goes, my name's Thomas. And it's like, okay, he didn't ask. He asked if you needed a new diaper, your shuck face. He didn't ask your name. And so Thomas is like, oh, I've got to get away. So he decides to like go up the stairs, like just turn around and leave the building that you just walked into if you want to get away from them. And he's like, oh, I've got to get away. I'm going to go upstairs. What, what an illogical move, Thomas. And so then Potato knows. He says, hold on there, greenie. Newbies aren't allowed to see someone who's been taken. And he says that in italics. Newton Albie won't allow it. And Thomas goes, well, what's your problem with me, potato nose? I don't even know where I am. All I want is some help. So obviously Chucky's been no help to him. And so potato nose, he says, listen to me, green bean. I've seen you before. Something's fishy about you showing up here and I'm going to find out what, which is intriguing because it doesn't make any sense. And Thomas is like, well, I've never seen you before in my life. I have no idea who you are and I couldn't care less. And it's like, okay, well, it doesn't really mean anything that you don't remember meeting him because you don't remember much. So then Potato knows he snickers and it's a short burst of laughter mixed with a phlegm filled snort. Yuck. That's a bit of a, (coughs) or something like that. That's disgusting. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. Gross. Oh. Oh, and then he rapidly stops laughing and he goes all serious. And he says, I've seen you shank. Not too many in these parts can say they've been stung. I have. I know what old Benny Baby's going through. I love Benny Baby. Every time he calls him Benny, he's got to say Benny Baby. Benny Baby. He says, I know what Benny Baby's going through. I've been there. And I saw you during the changing proper noun, capital C. All right. So this guy's been stung by a griever, which I don't know, is some sort of bee or something, I presume. And then he had a vision of Thomas during some sort of changing process, which is TBD at this point in time. All right, that, okay, all right, that's a little bit of intrigue for us, great. And so then, Potato Face, he says, 
And I bet you your first meal from fry pan, proper noun, capital F, that Benny, Benny baby, he'll say that he's seen you too. So when people get stung and, and they go through the change, they see visions of Thomas. The change, like, is it a metaphor for puberty or like menopause or something? I don't know. We'll have to explore that more when we find out some more about it. And so then Potato knows, he's just like, Grieve, I got you wetting yourself. A little scared now. Don't want to get stung, do ya? Like, okay, he doesn't know what the fuck you're talking about, Potato knows. As far as you're aware, he has never heard of a graver. He's never heard about getting stung and you're just throwing out all these words. It's a good thing Chucky gave him a bit of context. He laid down some exposition prior to this meeting. It's like Potato knows knew what he knew and then was making references as such. And so Thomas is like, look, if, if Newt's upstairs, I want to go up there and I want to talk to him. And so then Potato Knows is just like, oh God, do what you want. He says, whatever, just go up there. They'll be happy to see you, sure. All right, go, go on. And then Thomas, because I guess he's got a read on the situation finally, he's like, wait a minute, this kid's up to something. And the narrator says, losing parts of your memory didn't make you an idiot. Well, uh... Judging by your actions so far, Thomas, I'm not too confident on that one. And so then Thomas is feeling unsure if he should actually go up the stairs. And he goes, what's your name? And Potato Nose says, Gally. And don't let anyone fool you. I'm the real leader here. Not the two geezer shanks upstairs. Okay. Me. You can call me Captain Gally if you want. Proper noun, capital C, capital G. And then he smiled for the first time. His teeth matched his disgusting nose. (laughs) Okay, so like if his teeth match his disgusting nose, are we talking about like giant potato teeth? Like what? What? How big are his teeth? And then the narrator says two or three were missing and not a single one approached anything close to the color white. Mm, That is pretty unpleasant. Captain Galley, you might need to get some dentures or something, bud. That's, That's pretty unpleasant. Yeah, that's gross. And so then Thomas is like, okay, Captain Galley, whatever. And then he does an exaggerated salute, which is very ballsy. And so then a few of the boys who are just standing around listening and not saying anything, they start snickering. And Galley, his face goes bright red because he's been, oh, so embarrassed by this green bean. And so then Galley says, just go upstairs and stay away from me, you little slint head. Ooh, slint head. That one sounds a bit, ooh, I don't, ooh. I'm having trouble vocalizing why that makes me feel uncomfortable, but slint head, ugh. It's just a bit much, isn't it? So then Thomas is like, yeah, fine, I will go upstairs. And he's like, not moving. <laughs> it's like, okay. Back it up, Thomas, just walk up the stairs. And then Chuck, he's like, actually, um, you're not supposed to, you're a newbie, so you can't go up there. And then Galley's like, just do it, mate. If you want to go up there so bad, go up there. And so then Thomas is like, oh, geez, maybe I'm going to have to walk up the stairs. You wanted to. I thought this was your plan. Why are you now having an existential crisis at the bottom of the stairs? Just go up the fucking stairs. You don't know what's going on. And so then he goes up the stairs and every step creaks. And he's like, ah, like reconsidering with every step. Oh, geez. And so then Galley shouts out and he says, the changing. Look forward to it, shuck face. You know, I just wish once, just once, they'd say dickhead or something like that, or shithead or gay bones. You know, one of the old school <laughs> nicknames and horrible little taunts that kids use, because I'm so sick of the shuck face and it's only chapter three. 
So then Thomas gets a sudden burst of courage from being called Shuckface. And so he goes into the room and inside there's Newt and Albie crouched over someone lying on a bed. And so as soon as Thomas sees the patient, he starts to like want to vomit. So he says it's a twisted pale figure writhing in agony, chest bare and hideous. Tight, rigid cords of sickly green veins webbed across the boy's body and limbs like ropes under his skin. Purplish bruises covered the kid, red hives, bloody scratches. His bloodshot eyes bulged, darting back and forth. Doesn't sound great. I tell you what, that's quite an apt metaphor for puberty when you really think about it, isn't it? Ah, we've all been there, Shank. And then Albie, he's like, what are you doing here, Greeny? Get out. And Thomas is like, oh, I just wanted some answers. And Albie says, get your runt cheeks down those stairs right now. Runt cheeks. Surely that's got to be butt cheeks. Just say butt cheeks. I'm sure you know the word butt. Whatever. He says, if I see you again before tomorrow morning, you ain't reaching another one alive. Okay, that's all right. So does that mean he'll kill him after the next morning or the morning after? If I see you again before tomorrow morning, you'll ain't. You ain't reaching another one alive. I'll throw you off the cliff myself. You get me? Well, not really. It could be a clearer threat, but I, I, I presume you're saying if I catch you prior to the morning, then you won't see the morning. But if, if I catch you after that morning, then you will see uh, the morning. Oh. All right. He's going ki- to throw him off a cliff. Good. Okay. And so then Thomas was humiliated and scared. And he's like, oh, damn it. Galley got me good. You were going up the stairs regardless of Galley's encouragement, but whatever. So he just walks back downstairs. He ignores Galley and he goes out the door and he pulls Chuck by the arm as he does so. And the narrator says, Thomas hated these people. He hated all of them, except Chuck. What? <laughs> Chuck got a pass all of a sudden, called him as ugly as fried liver on a stick and, and no, Chuck's his bestie. They've had like one conversation, but oh, he hates everyone except Chuck. Chuck really gets me. And then he says, he realized that Chuck might actually be his only friend in the world. Since when? When did this happen? Did I miss some character building? Did some relationship building? Because I didn't see it. You called him pudgy and fat for like a few paragraphs and then he called you ugly as liver on a stick. So I don't remember when they bonded. And Chuck's like, all right, well, first we should get you some food from Frypan. I'm starting to suspect that Frypan might be someone's name, the name of the chef perhaps. And so then Chuck goes, all right, I'll meet you at the same tree as before in 10 minutes. What? Why? Why can't you just go to fry pan now? Why do you have to split up and then meet back at the tree in 10 minutes? He doesn't have a watch. He doesn't know when 10 minutes is. And so then Thomas is like, oh God, I'm so stressed. So he goes and walks towards the tree. And the narrator tells us he wished for all the world. He could remember something about his previous life, anything, his mum, his dad, a friend, his school, a hobby. And then, oh, and then full stop. They were all separated by commas and then full stop, new sentence, a girl, full stop. So I guess he knows he's straight. So that's something. And so then he just tries to blink and get the image of the changing out of his head. And then he shudders. And that's the end of that chapter. So then we go to chapter four. He's leaning against the tree, waiting for Chuck to return because Chuck left him for some reason, even though they're best friends. Best friends in the world would never leave each other. And he said, I'll meet you back here later. So then he's looking around the glade again and now there's shadows because it's later in the day and that helps him figure out where's north, where's south, where's east, where's west. And he gives us a full rundown on what he can see in what direction. Like, I don't really care. 
And so then he's looking at the four vast openings in the middle of the main walls of the glade. Like, okay, sure. He's, he's really just describing the lay of the land, but I'm not that interested. And then Chuck arrives with, okay, a couple of sandwiches, an apple, and two metal cups of water. Well, I don't know why he couldn't have just brought him along to see Frypan. So now he's at the tray and he's bringing him food. Okay, and so then when he sees Chuck, a sense of relief flooded through Thomas. And he's like, oh, I'm not completely alone in this place. You just met the kid. I didn't think you were even getting along, but okay. And Chuck says, Frypan wasn't too happy about me invading his kitchen before supper time, but here you go. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Okay. All right, you couple of sandwiches and an apple. He really raided it. So they're eating sandwiches and Thomas says, what's actually wrong with that Ben guy? He doesn't even look human anymore. And Chuck says, don't I didn't see him. <laughs> Talk about not answering a question. And Thomas could tell that the boy was being less than honest, but decided not to press him. Why not? Just quiz the bastard. And Thomas says, well, you don't want to see him, trust me. And then he continued to eat, munching on the apples as he studied the huge breaks in the walls. Apples, plural? I'm sure Chuck had grabbed one of those apples for him, but now you're eating multiple apples. That's a bit selfish. So he's looking at the holes in the walls again, and he says to Chuck, what's out there? Is this part of a huge castle or something? And Chuck's like, well, I don't know. I've never really been outside of the glade. And Thomas says, you're hiding something, bestie. He says, why are you guys so secretive? And his best friend Chuck, he just says, well, that's just the way it is. Things are really weird around here. 
and most of us don't know everything, half of everything. And Thomas is like frustrated because he's like, why do people not know things? And I agree. And Thomas is like, well, I'm going to go look around. No one said I couldn't look around, even though I think looking around did just get you into trouble. And, And there was a threat that if you did, you know, look around some more in that house, you'd be thrown off a cliff before morning or after morning or perhaps that day. Who knows? And he's like, no, and said I couldn't look around. So he gets up and he starts looking around. And Chuck says, whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Be careful. Those puppies are about to close. And Thomas is like, oh, God. What, what the hell are you talking about, Chuck? Can you use your words, buddy? Like, come on. And so Chuck says, the doors, you shank. And Thomas is like, doors? What doors? Thomas knew Chuck wasn't just making stuff up. He knew he was missing something obvious. Maybe that the walls are doors. There's a door over there. And so then Chuck says, well, what do you call those big openings? Pointing at the openings in the wall, which are clearly doors. And Thomas says, well, I'd call them big openings, which is just, yeah, okay. Thomas, if you want to see a big opening, I'll show you a big opening. And Chuck says, they're doors. God. Hello, they're doors. Obviously, that's why I called them doors. See, this is the conversation we're having. And he says, they close up every night. And then, Thomas, he says, what do you mean they close? Uh, It's a door, doors close? What do you mean they close? Well, how else would you interpret that, Thomas? And Chuck's over it at this point. He says, just see for yourself in a minute. The runners will be back soon. Then those big walls are going to move until the gaps are closed. Well, he really broke it down for him there, didn't he? <laughs> and Thomas, he, he can't figure it out. He says, you're jacked in the head. So Thomas is already picking up on the lingo. He couldn't see how the mammoth walls could possibly be mobile. Well, you're also just woken up in an elevator shaft coming out from under the ground with no memory except for vague faces and your own name, etc., etc. But oh he couldn't see. I just can't see how walls can shut. So he gets up close to one of the walls and he's looking up and it's it's huge. At least twenty feet across, the break in the wall went all the way to the top, far above. And then on the left side of the east door, deep holes several inch in diameter and spaced a foot apart were bored into the rock, beginning near the ground and continuing all the way up. Does he have measuring tape? How does he know all this? He's, he's giving us the measurements of everything, isn't he? On the right side of the door, foot-long rods jutted out from the wall edge, also several inches in diameter in the same pattern as the holes facing them on the other side. Yep, he's got a ruler or a measuring tape at least. And then Thomas says, wow, you weren't kidding. You weren't playing with me. The walls, they really move. And Chuck's like, yes. What, what else would I have meant by, by the walls being doors that close? And Thomas had a hard time wrapping his mind around the possibility. Yeah, I sort of got the impression that Thomas does struggle to comprehend things. He goes, I don't know. I figured there was a door that swung shut or a little mini wall that slid out of the big one. How could these walls move? They're huge. And they look like they've been standing here for a thousand years. And you also just appeared out of the ground with no memory, but all right. And Chuck, he's like, oh, God, uh, Thomas, I don't know. You're my best friend, but you're killing me. He says, I don't know. They just move. Makes one heck of a grinding noise. Same things happen out in the maze. Those walls shift every night too. 
And Thomas, he's like, huh? He says, what did you just say? And Chuck's like, I don't know. What did, what did I just say? And Thomas says, you just called it a maze. You said same thing happens out in the maze. And Chuck's like, oh my God. Yes, I said maze. You got me. You couldn't wait until initiation tomorrow. All right, I said maze. You figured it out. And so then Thomas is thinking, he's like, a maze? Wow, that's crazy. I don't know if James Dashner is like writing this being like, oh, people are going to love this reveal. It's like, it's called the Maze Runner, James. I think anyone reading this kind of forgot that the maze part was a secret. It's like reading Moby Dick and then you're surprised when a whale comes into it. And then Thomas is staring in the distance, looking at the breaks in the walls and the paths. And he goes, wow, it does look like a maze. And he's blown away by it. He goes, it was all so crazy. It seems so funny. What? And then his heart skipped a beat because a boy unexpectedly appeared around a corner up ahead, entering the main passage, coming out of the maze. And it says, Thomas turned as he passed, his eyes riveted to the exhausted runner. (gasps) Runner. That guy running past him is a runner. And he's unsure why this new development surprised him so much. Yeah, I'm not sure why you're surprised either. You've been told like 10 times that the runners will be back soon. What did it, what did he think? He's like, oh, that guy running out must be a runner. Oh yeah. And then he thinks, why wouldn't people go out and search the maze? Um, maybe because of what happened to that guy that you just saw with the green veins that was dying upstairs in the shack. That one going through that horrible process because it got stung while he was running in the maze. And he's like, why would people not go into the maze? Boggles the mind. And then he realized that other people were running through the other entrances to the maze going into the glade. And so they're running to the little building that's next to the box where he came out of. And they open up the door and then disappear inside of that little box thing. And then they pull it shut behind them with a loud clonk. A clonk. Now, is that slang for a newbie or someone who smells like poo or it's just onomatopoeia? I think it's just onomatopoeia. Okay. The door shuts with a loud clonk, as opposed to a clunk, which is the sound a poo makes when it hits the bowl. And so then he finally decides to maybe ask his best friend Chuck and he says, hey, chubby Chuck, who are those guys and what were they doing? What's in that building? And why do you live inside a freaking maze? And Chuck says, I'm not saying another word. I don't know why. Just tell them, Chuck. And he goes, I think you should go to bed early. You'll need your sleep. And then he goes, oh, and by the way, it's about to happen. And Thomas is like, what? What's going to happen? The doors are going to shut, Thomas. Everyone knows the doors are going to shut. How? Oh. Like, I know you're discombobulated, but if you just listened and looked around, you'd, oh, you'd be less surprised at every little thing that happens. So then a loud boom explodes through the air, making Thomas jump. And then there's a horrible crunching, grinding, clunking sound. (laughs) It didn't actually say clunking. Um, And so he stumbles backwards because the whole earth is shaking. And he's like, wow, the walls really were closing. Yes. At this point, were we still thinking that Chuck was making it up? So the walls are closing and he's blown the freaking hell out of the water. uh, He's so shocked. And Chuck's like, calm down, greeny. It's just the walls closing. Oh. And Thomas barely heard him, too fascinated, too shaken by the closing of the doors, proper noun, capital D. So basically he then just tells us that these huge cement openings shut. Like 
I, I, I don't really know why it needed to go on for like a page and a half being like, wow, the huge, enormous stone wall defied every known law of physics as it slid along the ground, throwing sparks and dust as it moved, rock against rock. Okay, the door's shut. All right, got it. Done. Easy. And Thomas thinks, impossible. How can they do that? How did you come out of the ground with no memory? Let's circle back to that one. So then all four doors of the glade shut with an echoing boom. And then Thomas felt one final moment of trepidation, a quick slice of fear through his body, and then it vanished. What? A surprising sense of calm eased his nerves. What? He's settled by this? The huge cement walls closing him into the glade and he's like, oh, oh, now I can rest easy. The door's shut. What? Wouldn't that be freaking him out even more? And Chuck's like, well, you kind of get used to it after a while. And Thomas is looking around and he says the feel of the place was completely different now that all the walls were solid with no way out. And yeah, he's settled by this. I don't know. I'd be the opposite. And then he does think it through and he's like, wait a minute, are we being sealed in or are we being protected from something out there? And then fear gripped him once more. Okay, so he's back to his senses. And Chuck, he's like, all right, bestie, come on, we got to go to bed. Trust me, when nighttime strikes, you want to be in bed. And so Thomas is like, all right. And so that's the end of that chapter. And so we start chapter five and it says they ended up near the back of the homestead. That was what Chuck called the leaning structure of wood and windows. Okay, so it was a building, then it was a shack, and now it's just a leaning structure of wood and windows. Like, we know, what a, we know what a house is. Just say house. It's this really weird structure. It's made out of like wood, but like there's doors and there's steps inside and there's like a, a vase on a three-legged coffee table and like there's also like windows and stuff. Like it's really hard to explain, um, but it's like a freestanding uh, premises. It's got a roof on it. Uh, Do you know what? Let's just call it the homestead. So Chuck is dragging him back to the homestead to go to bed. And Thomas says, where are we going? If you're looking for a good night kiss, forget it. What? He says, trying to grasp a sense of normalcy, he made a weak attempt at a joke. If you're looking for a good night kiss, forget it. Oh, because he's, yeah, he's a straight man. He doesn't know much. He doesn't know countries, faces, places, people, things. But he knows that he doesn't like dick. And Chuck's like, uh, just shut up and stay close, okay? Chuck didn't miss a beat. So then they're walking alongside the back of the building, the homestead, the freestanding structure made out of wooden windows. And they're tiptoeing until they get to like a a window. And Thomas heard someone moving around in there and Chuck's like, it's the bathroom. And Thomas is like, okay, and? And Chuck says, I love doing this to people. Gives me great pleasure before bedtime. Okay, Chuck's a weirdo. What's he doing here? He's going cruising or something? Is he going to peeping Tom into the bathroom through the window? What's going on here, peeping Tom Chuck? Also, we just ended the last chapter with him being like, we've got to go to bed. You don't want to know what it's like when it gets to nighttime and you're not in bed. But first, let's go via the homestead, the freestanding structure made out of wood and windows, and we'll peeping Tom in through the bathroom window and play a prank on someone. Like that's what's happening here. Where, where was the sense of urgency that we left the last chapter with? And something told Thomas that Chuck was up to no good. But Chuck says, just shut your mouth and watch. So then he just like reaches up with his hand and lightly taps on the glass. Like that's all he does. That's his big prank. And Thomas is like, stop it, Chuck. Chuck, stop it. I don't want to get in trouble. I just got here. Like what? Don't you want to leave? 
He's like, I don't want to get in trouble while I'm here. Like, don't you want to escape? I just got here. Please don't ruin this for me. Like what? It's an opportunity. You're not in an internship. So then Chuck, he's laughing and he's trying to stop himself from laughing while he's tapping on the window again. This is the prank. He's just tapping on a window. And then the window opens and there's a shadow. And it says, oh, he just couldn't believe that he'd been suckered into playing a practical joke on someone. Where's the joke? So then a boy's yelling out from the bathroom saying, who's that? And his voice is scratchy and laced with anger. I presume because he was trying to take a dump and someone's tapping on the window, which I guess is mildly annoying. I don't know if it's a prank. And then Chuck pops his head up towards the window and screams. And so then a loud crash from inside revealed that the trick had worked. And then there was a litany of swear words. Okay, so swear words do exist. It's not just shuck and clunk and slinthead. Okay. And so then Gally's there. I guess he's, yeah, interrupted while doing a poo. And he says, I'm going to kill you, shuck face. But Chuck's already running down towards the open glade. And then Thomas hears Gally open the door inside and run out of the bathroom. And he's still frozen there and there. And he's like, oh, I better run. And so then Thomas finally snapped out of his daze and took off after his new dash and only dash friend. His new and only friend. Is Albie not a friend? Is Newt not a friend? Like I know he's made an enemy in Galley, but to, to call Chuck his only friend is a bit presumptuous. So Galley comes running out. I guess he hasn't wiped yet, because he, but he's running out. And he's pointing at Thomas and he's like, you come here. And Thomas is like, it wasn't me. Wasn't you. Then how do you know there was something that you didn't do for you not to say that it wasn't you? And Thomas is like, oh, you got me. (laughs) He's like, I can't figure that one out. You got me. And then Gally, because he's like a kind, reasonable man with like shit running down his legs. He says, I'm not a dong greenie. I saw Chuck's fat face in the window. But you better decide right quick who you want as your friends and enemies. Hear me? One more trick like that. I don't care if it's your sissy idea or not. Okay, sissy. There'll be blood spilled. You got that newbie? I'm getting some like homophobia from these boys. Like, I don't know if I'm just being oversensitive, but I'm getting a tinge of homophobia. And then Gally says, I know you. I saw you in the changing and I'm going to figure out who you are. Yeah, we know. You, You said that like one chapter ago. So then Thomas watched as the bully disappeared back into the homestead, presumably to finish wiping. And he thinks he couldn't remember much, but something told him he'd never dislike someone so strongly. Okay, how do you know? How do you know? Oh, I've never disliked someone so much. I don't remember people. I only remember my own name, but oh God, I just know that he's my biggest enemy I've ever met. And he says he was surprised by how much he truly hated the guy. He really, really hated him. Oh, I don't, I don't really know why. Like, are we being a bit unfair to Gally? They just played a prank on him while he was doing a shit. And like, he was angry about it, sure. But he was also quite gracious being like, look, I know it wasn't you, newbie. Green Bean, I know it wasn't you. I'm letting you off the hook this just this once. But you know, I'll give you a bit of a grace period. But if you do it again, I will be angry. Fair enough. He's like, oh, I hate that guy. I'm team galley. Ugh. Team potato nose galley. And then he turns and he sees Chuck and he says to Chuck, thanks a lot, buddy. And buddy is in italics, so you know he's saying it sarcastically. And it's like, okay, you're not best friends. You did just meet, like, calm down. And Chuck says, sorry, if I'd known it was Gally, I would never have done it. Uh, yeah, you would have? How many people live in that homestead? Like, who could it have been? And then Thomas laughs and he's trying to fit in. So he says, don't be sorry. The shank deserved it. And I don't even know what a shank is. That was awesome. That was awesome. (laughs) 
as far as pranks go, it wasn't that great. Have you ever heard of a whoopee cushion? Oh, they probably don't remember whoopee cushions exist. Yeah, that's right. So then a couple of hours later, hours later, we had all this rush to get to bed and it's a couple of hours later and Thomas was lying in a soft sleeping bag next to Chuck on a bed of grass near the gardens. Oh, they sleep outdoors? Ugh, no thanks. I'd be running through that maze trying to find a way out. Like, no, screw that. I'd rather go through the changing and being stung by grievers than have to go camping. And Thomas is thinking, it's a bit weird that we're camping outside considering there is that homestead, that freestanding structure made out of wooden windows. But all right, all right, we're in, we're in a sleeping bag in the garden. And he's like, but at least it's warm. And then he's like, that's weird. Where are we that it would be so warm? Even though he had a hard time grasping names of places or remembering countries or rulers or how the world was organized. He has a good idea of weather patterns. And he's just lying there thinking about how weird it is that he doesn't remember anything. It says he remembered lots of little things about life, eating, clothes, studying, playing, general images of the makeup of the world. Uh, that's a, that sounds like a lot. But any detail that would fill in the picture to create a true and complete memory had been erased somehow. All right, yeah, we've covered that. He told us it was like reading a book without getting all the words, but now he says it was like looking at an image through a foot of muddy water. I think we all get the point. Okay. And then Chuck says, well, Greeny, you survived first day, proper noun, capital F, capital D. And Thomas says, barely, but he wants to say, not now, Chuck. I'm not in the mood, but he doesn't say that. And then Chuck says, you'll learn a lot in the next couple of days. Why? Just tell him now. And he says, where did all these weird words and phrases come from, by the way? And then Chuck flopped down with a heavy flump. A flump. Like, I, I think James Dashen's trying to drive me crazy with these onomatopoeia words. Flump. And Chuck says, I don't know. I've only been here a month, remember? And Thomas is thinking, I think my best friend, the chubby Chuck, he knows more than he lets on. He was just as mysterious as everything else in the glade. So he's second guessing his best friend. I thought they were best friends, but now he's second guessing him. And so then he's about to fall asleep, but then like a fist had shoved it in his brain and let go, a thought popped into his head. And it was one he didn't expect and he wasn't sure where it came from. Suddenly the glade, the walls, the maze, capital M, capital G, it all seemed familiar, comfortable. A warmth of calmness spread through his chest and for the first time since he'd found himself there, like what, six hours ago, he didn't feel like the Glade, capital J, was the worst place in the universe, lowercase u. Okay, so now he's happy to be there? It's like, oh, don't know what it is, but I feel comfortable and calm. What? You just saw someone going through menopause upstairs and people running through a maze to escape grievers and and you're a shank and poo makes a clunk sound and you're feeling calm? He says it's an epiphany that he just had, an epiphany that was foreign and familiar at the same time, but it felt right. And then he says to Chuck, I want to be one of those guys that goes out there inside the maze. And Chuck's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And Thomas says, runners, whatever they're doing out there, I want in. What? I thought you just wanted answers to your questions. You just wanted an initiation to be walked around, shown the ropes, but now you want to be a head honcho running around? And Chuck's like, you don't even know what you're talking about. And Thomas felt a surge of confidence. Even though he didn't know what he was talking about, he says, I want to be a runner. I don't know if that's how it works. That's like Hillary Clinton saying, I want to be president. Sometimes you just can't get what you want. I'm sorry. And Chuck says, 
Thomas, newbie, my friend, my new friend, my best friend, forget it. And Thomas says, well, I'll tell Albie tomorrow. And then he's also thinking while he's saying that, he's like, wait a minute, I don't even know what a runner is. It's like, I don't even know what a runner is. Have I gone completely insane? I'm so random. Oh my God, I don't even know what a runner is and I want to be a runner. Like, I'm crazy. You're crazy, girl. Wow. Crazy. You're crazy, girl. And then Chuck says, you're a piece of clunk. Go to sleep. But then Thomas is so chatty. And he says, nah, something's out there. It feels familiar. And Chuck, he's like, just go to fucking sleep, please. And then it hit Thomas. He felt like several pieces of a puzzle had been put together. He didn't know what the ultimate picture would be. All right. But his next words almost felt like they were coming from someone else. And he says, Chuck, I think I've been here before. Wow. Crazy. You're crazy, girl. And he heard his friend sit up and heard the intake of breath, but Chuck doesn't say anything. Chuck's just like, like about to say something. He's like, oh, let me just tell this guy to shut up. And then he's like, you know what? I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered to entertain Thomas on one of his late night rants. And so then Thomas just goes to sleep with, with that big revelation. I've been here before and I want to be a runner. He goes to sleep and that's the end of the chapter. What the hell? It's like before we even get any answers about what's going on, we've just got Thomas suddenly deciding that he wants to be this thing that he doesn't know what, it, what the purpose of it is. He wants to be a runner and he's been here before. And also Gally during the change had a vision of him. So something's going on. Me thinks something is up. And I'm not quite sure what, but if you have any theories, let me know. And I'll see you guys next week for the next couple of chapters. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.